wake up. Wake up, Pooh. <laughs> and then Pooh woke up and it was his birthday. Surprise, we woke you up for your birthday, Pooh. <laughs> Have you ever noticed how um, the Winnie the Pooh ride is very similar to Winnie the Pooh in general, that there's no conflict? The only thing that really happens, well, the only conflict that happens is it follows everything. Then Pooh has a great dream about eating honey, and then he wakes up and it's his birthday. <laughs> what a great, what a great ride. I'm not complaining either. That's not me. That's not a criticism. That just, it, it fits. And, uh, you know, that's just how Winnie the Pooh go. Everything is fun and fancy free. Wait, no, we, we did that. We did that one already, didn't we? A long time ago. Very long time ago. Welcome to Animusings, everybody. Hello, I am your host, Kayla King. I'm joined by David King. That's me. And uh, we have our guest today. Um, since uh, we are discussing 2011's Winnie the Pooh, we have our Winnie the Pooh um, expert slash resident, Lebecki. Hello. It's good to have you back. Uh, we always come find you in the 100 Acre Wood when we need to talk about Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it's kind of nice every once in a while when you open the book and I get to come out and jumps out of the book take a take a breath or two yeah understandable get stuffy on the bookshelf yeah yeah we try to make sure we you know get at least get the dust jacket cleared off every so often of course every time we open the book the voice actors change so i mean (laughs) i think almost some of them almost all of them except for we kept jim cummings yeah yeah that's true um (laughs) uh yeah uh so uh this is an interesting one because we're returning to 2d animation i think this is the well no this is the last time we'll see 2d animation in the walt disney animation studios canon yes well later down the line there will be a disney plus uh, this is our uh this will probably be our last disney plus coming up which is the um mary poppins returns oh that's right yeah there's gonna be an animated there will be animated segments in there yes Mm -hmm. that's why we're watching it but in terms of a feature animated film this is the last one it's been 10 years since this movie came out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and this is also our third foray into the world of winnie the pooh now granted there's been a few other ones that have been released the only one we touched on besides The Many Adventures of was the Tigger movie a little while ago. Yep. But, I mean, there's been a few other ones. There was um, Piglet, Piglet had a movie. Yes. There was a mm-hmm. Heffalump movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Before that, there was that one where uh, I always remember, forget the name, but they all go looking for Skull because they need to find Christopher Robin. I think that was a straight to VHS, though. I think so, but I remember liking that Pooh's one. Grand Adventure and the Search for Christopher Robin. Thank you. Yeah, Pooh, Pooh's Grand Adventure. And but also, don't forget about Rue's movie. There was a, oh, I, I I did forget about Rue's movie, but I never saw that one. So. And if you want to really delve deep, you've got the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh I don't yeah, know if we the, talked about last time. We did a little bit. I did. I remember watching the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh and enjoying it. I think we did discuss it be- during the Tigger movie. Yeah, we mm-hmm. did. Yeah. There's a kind of energy uh, in the Tigger movie that you can kind of trace back to the many the the, many the new adventures. adventures. The new adventures, not the many adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely yeah. different movies. But this one, well, we'll get into the tone of this one in just a little bit. Uh, Kayla. As our resident historian and uh, researcher of these things, uh, our mm-hmm. owl, basically, <laughs> uh, what can you tell us about the production history of Winnie the Pooh 2011? 
so in 2008, um, John Lasseter, uh, who's CEO at this time, uh, contacts Steven Anderson, who was the director of Meet the Robinsons, and Don Hall, who he he was a key animator in a lot of the Disney animated films. Um, this is the fir- his first uh, directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Um, he told him he was looking to bring Winnie the Pooh back to the screen for today's audiences. I love Steven Anderson's response. Wow, this has been done many times before. So what are we going to do to bring what are we going to bring to it that's fresh and original? <laughs> Considering all the other movies we just named. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was surprised when he said, No, 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 we're going back to its roots. We're at, um we're gonna do hand-drawn animation. And they got it like they got excited about this because So did I. Except, you know, so would I, I mm. would say. Yeah, they they realized like um looking through um the book and the artwork so steven anderson grew up reading the books uh don hall did not so when he looked through it he was like it was really funny the artwork was great and we wanted to keep that feel yeah and um one of so they had a couple of um they had a couple of ways or tools at their disposable uh to make it this way so uh their head of story was bernie mattinson who actually was a key animator on the many adventures of Winnie Pooh, as well as the original short Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. Hmm. He's also one of the directors for The Great Mouse Detective. So oh. <laughs> if, if you look at his credits, like he's been at Disney for a very long time. Yeah. So, and he had done animation for other Winnie the Pooh series. So they're like, no, no, he's the go-to guy for this. Right. Um, and then another thing too was they brought in many of the studio's veteran artists who a lot of them who had worked on uh the princess and the frog oh yeah that makes sense it wouldn't have been that long after so and then uh yeah uh nine two years yes you're correct (laughs) i forgot how to count for a second As well, um, they actually use the same software as Princess and the Frog, which is Toon Boom's um, Harmony to uh, digitally ink and paint the drawings. Um, but this time, it's like we mentioned earlier, it's a completely new cast with the exception of Jim Cummings as Pooh and Tigger. I-, I could get into that later on, like as we go. As we meet the characters, we can talk about their voice actors. Yeah, because you could tell there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things they actually did was they traveled to England as well as spent several days at Ashton Forest in Sussex, which is the inspiration for the Hundred Acre Woods. Mm. Um, they basically did what animators do, take photos, sketch, draw. And then they also um, analyzed some of the original sketches drawn by Ernest Shepard, who was the artist for A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh books. Right. Uh, from the libraries and um, museums. And they also went back to the old model sheets. Uh, They went back to the old model sheets for the old Pooh shorts. (laughs) So originally they were going to do five different stories, Mm -hmm. but instead they shrank it down to three. And it kind of, as you can tell, you probably can piece out which story is which throughout the. Yeah. They they kind of attempted to blend them all into one big story in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing too, and I want to, bring this up because it is kind of important the songs in this movie are written by robert lopez and Kristen anderson lopez who um <laughs> you'll know them because they later a couple years later 
they're going to write songs for um, a sort of well-known movie named Frozen. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> before this, um, Robert Lopez actually had a quite the career. He, <laughs> this makes me excited. Uh, he created Book of Mormon and Avenue Q. Oh. Yeah. That's, I, wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. I know. This makes me excited because I've seen Avenue Q and I, I love that. Um like on stage and I love it. And then Book of, Book of Mormon, I've heard some of the songs for mm. and enjoyed. I haven't seen it live though. I'm... You know, that just shows the, the um, you know, when, when you're a, you know, composer, songwriter, how you can, you can stretch. You don't have to, you have to be pigeonholed into this one thing. You can write, it sucks to be you, but then you can also write a song about, you know, you know, walking around trying to find uh, a new tale for Eeyore, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So the film was released in, uh, interestingly enough, it was released in Europe first um, throughout April. So April 6th, it was in Belgium, April 11th in Germany, April 15th in United Kingdom. And I think probably it has to do with the fact that. Um, oh, well, yeah, that's where, that's where they got, you know, it got its start. Mm-hmm. The original AA Milm stories. Uh, it got a wide release on July 15th. Um, so the budget for this was $30 million and it made only 50 million unfortunately oh so once again unless it like because it gets a gajillion dollars i mean it they it wasn't what they had hoped because they were hoping to make a film that would like span the ages like or basically it would be timeless when which winnie the pooh does have that timeless feel I will say this much right away is definitely has a much more timeless feel than the tigger movie (laughs) yes it does but um there, there is a good reason why I didn't do as well. Uh, I, I will say <laughs> that the only reason I originally saw this movie when it mm-hmm. was out in theaters was because this was right around the time they were doing all the, all the re-releases in mm-hmm. theaters. So they did like the remastered Lion King, the remastered uh, Beauty and the Beast. I thought this was a remaster theater release. Oh. And my wife had never seen The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So I took her to see this. And the entire time I was watching the movie, I was like, this is not the right movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. It also happened to be the exact same day that Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out in the theaters. No! Yeah. It's always the inconvenient timing that ruins them trying to bring back 2D animation in a proper proper way. Mm-hmm. Uh, say they have done 2D animation. They've just integrated it differently. Yeah. It's true. I'm just... I, I want more movies like this. I want more! Give me more! I, I will say there is recent talks... Not that this is related really to Winnie the Pooh, but there are recent talks of Walt Disney Company going back to traditional 2D animation. And um, to go a little bit even more off topic, I think a lot of that is coming off of the face of, oh, now I'm going to completely forget what it's called. There is a series on Disney Plus right now that's a bunch of different shorts. Uh spark shorts maybe oh yeah i've heard of these uh, give me one moment mm-hmm. another thing too is they've actually had quite the success 
with 2D animation when it comes to their TV shows recently. That's true. Like Gravity Falls did was very popular and did well. So did um so I've a lot of things like uh Owl House has a quite the fan base and even that they brought back the Mickey Mouse shorts. Yeah, as 2D as well. And mm-hmm. those have been doing pretty well as well. And they're so well written. Uh, I mean DuckTales. DuckTales. Mm-hmm. So it's called Short Circuit. Um and it's basically Disney giving license to their animators to just make their own short stories. Ooh. Uh, I think it's four to four to ten minutes, somewhere around there for each episode. Um, but you know they're not interconnected. They all use unique animation styles. They are exploring uh, different capacities for different things. I think there's claymation. There's traditional. There's 3D. There's comic book art style. There's I think one of my favorite ones has uh, a, it's almost like a diorama 3D modeling where they're doing still images to tell the story. Ooh. Um, but I think a lot of their um, their success with that is causing them to consider bringing back different sorts of animation styles uh, for feature length movies. I'm surprised we didn't know about this before. This is worth checking out. Yeah, I think so. Maybe we're talking about it as an anime Ziggs plus too, depending because I, you know, we we want to talk about the art of animation. Absolutely. And if this sounds like it's a passion project for the animators, it's, then so it is. It's actually so I say that they're I say they're four to to ten minutes. The first two minutes is actually an introduction from the animator talking about um, what they learned from it, how they came up with the process, why this specific story is meaningful to them. I, it, I, if you ever do do it, uh, an Any Musings Plus, invite me on. I'll, I'll talk about it more then. But sure. um, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite things that they're doing right now. They just, did season, they just released season two. Um, All right. Which didn't have as many episodes, but was still very well, still very well done. Yeah, I want to very, uh, very reminiscent of... It's more like a children's version of Netflix's uh, Robots. <laughs> robots and Aliens. Or Robots. No, wait, what was it? Love, Death, and Robots. Love, Death, and Robots. That's right. I yeah, was thinking so, of something completely different. So it's like, a, it's like a Disney's version of Love, Death, and Robots, where they're just exploring different animation styles. Well, fantastic. We should check this out. Yeah, absolutely. Short Circuit. Uh- Short circuit. <laughs> not the 1980s short circuit with Johnny Five. Nope. <laughs> um, so we, I guess we, we hmm? before before we probably delve into our personal histories, I will say this: even though it didn't do as well, there were two good things that came out of it. One, uh, it did get quite a bit of favorable reviews, mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of reviewers liked it. And the main thing I saw was it is such a breath of fresh air to see 2d animation in something as wholesome as winning the pooh or yes simple and just timeless as winning the pooh it yeah oh absolutely and then another thing too is um because robert um lopez and his wife uh kristen anderson lopez were able to show their um songwriting chops on this they were actually brought in for frozen (laughs) so it's because of this project that they were like no we want these two people oh that's fantastic Mm -hmm. uh that's i mean there's not much to the history of this i will say because one of the things that when i looked at the interviews from steven anderson and don hall 
they said like we were so grateful that we basically had a backing like we had the mini adventures of winnie pooh we used we had models mm-hmm. we could easily take from this and it just helped us like do this quicker quickly and more efficiently i bet i mean it i i will say like if we're gonna if the history of this film is kind of brief and there's not a ton to touch on i'd say the history our personal history of it is even is even less because i've never i'd never seen this before i have never seen until we watched it last night same uh there it kind of just came and went in 2011 also um if this was november of 2011 i was in college at the time same and i wasn't seeing as many movie or no wait I was, but they were all like because of school or for school. So right, because you were, yeah. I was in film school at this time, mm-hmm. so I was too busy watching the films they told me to watch. Then I actually then rather see things outside of it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because when I was in film, I took a film course. I guess I didn't go to film school, but when I was in the film course, it was um, we one of our projects was to go and see a movie of every every rating so we had to go pg up to r and we had to see a movie of every rating and write a write a an essay on on it um i believe this may have been no this wasn't sorry this was not my pg one (laughs) (laughs) Um, i mean i saw some i saw a bunch of new movies but it was usually like one of the grateful things i got to have while at film school was i got to see films for free and early on and it's whatever movies they could get and that's how i saw a lot of the new movies this was not one of them unfortunately so yeah again mm-hmm. first time seeing it and um actually uh, you, you've seen you said you saw this um in theaters Levecki? yeah i saw it when it came out in 2011 like i said i thought it was the re-release what was your takeaway, though, after the movie ended? My takeaway um, was that it was fun. It was reminiscent of the movie I remember, but it just it lost a lot of charm for me. And we can get into why uh, after we actually start talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did enjoy it. Um, I don't because I grew up watching the many adventures so much and got in and watched the new adventures when it was on TV. I think a lot of that stuck with me and there are significant differences with this movie that I think took me out of it. Mm-hmm. And again, as we get to them, I think we will, I'll talk about them a little bit more, but sure. I'm curious since you guys only just saw this movie, what were your takeaways uh, um, generally? I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm with you. I think the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh is so much better. There's, and there are moments that I'm just that uh, that didn't work. I think like there were some times where I'm like, this is a bit too fast paced for a Winnie the Pooh movie. It felt more like Winnie the Pooh than the Tigger movie, that's for sure. Like I feel like Winnie the Pooh actually felt like acted like Winnie the Pooh. Like yeah. he wasn't tricking Pig. Like one of the things I was so grateful for was when he saw, um, for example, he sees a, a hive of honey instead of just like tricking Piglet into getting it. He's like. I want to get that. Help me out. And I'm like, yes, that's what he does. He doesn't trick people or lie. That's not. Pooh doesn't have a mean bone in his body, but he also doesn't have any bones in his body. He's stuffed with fluff. Yeah. It's all about misunderstandings, which this film does. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's a couple, 
there's a couple things that didn't work, but for the most part, um, I mean, I still enjoyed it and it is charming. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love the fact that it begins in a child's bedroom with the toys. It, I think, yeah, yeah I love that part. And I love that, um, I, I'd say, yeah, this came a lot closer to getting to the spirit, the, like to feeling like a successor to the original mm-hmm. in terms of its tone. And I, I told Kayla at the end of like, that was fun. It left me feeling kind of warm and fuzzy. It was cute. It was charming. Does it have, is it, but it's, there's one really glaring thing about it that stuck out to me. Yeah. No gopher, zero out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in the book, you know. Not in the book. Look, in this house, we stand gopher. <laughs> um. Uh, for the most part, I think John Cleese is the narrator and very fitting voice for this as a narration. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's I think he does. It, I get used to it. I have nothing against John Cleese's voice acting. Um, mm. I, it is, it's close enough from to the original, but I almost, I still want to get someone who sounds, you know, has that more like lower cadence, you know. That's oh, a, okay. So Sebastian Cabot, yeah, had that voice. And of course, I always think of the, also the, uh, the goofy how-to cartoons, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had a very low, deep cadence, but it still sounded very prim and proper. So John Cleese brings the prim and, prim and proper, but he just sounds like an old guy, you know? I just, I like the idea of not being impressed with John Cleese. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's John Cleese. I mean, guys got guys got a lot of comedy pedigree, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I, I think it doesn't help that you basically grew up with Monty Python and all that. Yeah, and... I cannot unhear. I cannot unhear. You know, the man who did the silly walks. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think it works well for what they're going for too. It's not like it. It's that big of a detractor as no. far as. No, as I'm, far not, as I'm not saying other, it's a detractor at all. Other either. choices go. Yeah, I th- here's what I think. Um, if we didn't know who John Cleese was, I think it works great. Yeah. But because we do, it does factor into that. It's kind of like um, three of the songs in the movie are sang by Zoe Deschanel, who actually she has a very fitting voice for this kind of style uh, for Winnie the Pooh. I, I, if, if again, if I separate what I know about her and her as an actress away from it, then I'm like, yeah, this actually works fine. She has a good voice for it. But because I do know who she is, I've seen New Girl, I've seen 500 <laughs> Days of Summer and all that, it's kind of hard to I getcha. not connect it. No, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, this opens with the, uh, the the bedroom, which I always like in these. In these, when we actually see the stuffed animals and we see Christopher Sorry. Robin's room. I'm just going to st- stop you for a second. Uh, she actually sings five songs in the movie. Five? Oh my gosh! So, oh, I thought it was three. It's three in the movie. Then um, she has two in the. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. That's fair. Yeah. That's why we're all. She here. sings a lot in this. Movie. She does. Well, you know, mm-hmm. it's totally fair. Um, but yeah, I like the way this opens. We get the the we get the classic theme of Winnie the Pooh mm-hmm. as reprised. Cr Keepot. That that. <laughs> That's right. And that sets a precedent for the spelling in this. Right. Um, one thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to bring detractors into this, but I already gave you my ultimate one, which was the distinct lack of gopher, my main man. Mm-hmm. But um, which I can get over eventually. I will eventually. Mm-hmm. But I'm still horny deep inside. Uh, 
Um, the moment I saw Christopher Robin, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it pulled me right out. And I said, I took me a second. I'm like, what's wrong with Christopher Robin's face? It's his eyes. Yeah. It's his eyes. And when yeah. he smiles, he looks like those kids from the Christmas tree. Oh <laughs> yeah. God, that's a... So yeah. I, I, when we first talked about setting this up, I think I had mentioned that there was something that's going to be very obvious very quickly that is different. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's you meant. It's Christopher Robin's eyes. Yeah, it. They they couldn't just give him the black button eyes like button s like like he had in the original. I, I don't know why they made this choice. I, it's very strange. It hasn't. They've never. This is the first time that they've done it. I of all the of all the Winnie the Pooh media that they've put out. This is the first time that he's looked like that. I don't. I don't like it. I don't, okay, and I have nothing against Christopher Robin. I, I appreciate they actually got, like, a British kid actually, to I do, do the voice. I like the voice. I like Christopher Robin's Robin. voice. Yes, he, he, he sounds like a British kid. That is exactly how I expect, the, like, Christopher Robin to sound. He doesn't sound like three different people. <laughs> in, in all fairness to them, it was three technically different movies yeah. that they put together. Um, I other than his eyes, which you do eventually get used to, it, it's only detracting because it's so jarringly different. Um, the rest of his character design is actually pretty good. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. He's wearing a schoolboy outfit. He's got the shorts. He's got his long sleeves rolled up, one sock up, one sock down, and his his tailcoat is sticking out the back of his vest. And <laughs> it's it's very reminiscent of you know schoolboy. England kind of thing that mm-hmm. you would kind of expect for Christopher Robin. And I do like that they didn't change anybody else's design so drastically. Yeah, um, that's true. I didn't I didn't really notice it with I didn't rabbits, really notice any major changes with anybody else. I think rabbits is slightly different um but not you know not to the point that it's detracting. Um Rabbit. it's just some some of the some of the animation yeah uh, so is what, different. one of the issues i have with the animation for this film is they go quick pace in a lot of moments that feel it, i don't know with winnie the pooh i i don't expect quick pace like that quick of pace or that breakneck of pace or it, it, like usually the animation is more fluid softer slower where yeah. Things meander a little more. Yeah, rabbit going. <laughs> it's like like when he, when he's doing all the like crazy like silent like signals when he's got the little pot helmet on and it's like mm-hmm. a military thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that that kind of thing is where it's a little bit changed, but like his character design is is still fairly similar, and I think a lot of the pacing, a lot of the pacing issues are seem to generate from the music. Um, yeah. for instance, if we go to the first song, A Pooh Bear Takes Care of His Honey, His Tummy, um, this is very reminiscent of the original, um, Up Down Touch the Ground, uh, Stoutness Exercise uh, song. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's much faster paced, mm-hmm. um, in the span of, I think, the entire song where Pooh, in the, in the many adventures, was in one room singing the song 
who has gotten up, gotten changed, checked all his honey, chased himself out of his house to go find more honey, found honey, gotten attacked by bees, run away from the bees, still on the song, um, and then ends up uh, running <laughs> onto the words and hiding, hiding himself within the words of the book, which... Uh, it, Again, that's a that's a great thing that I love that they kept is the fact that the characters are able to interact with the words in the book because they're they are pictures on the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's one of the improvements too for this movie is the interactions with the book. I I like how they how like the um the words um on the book actually become plot points. Like that's how they get out of the <laughs> how they get out of the pit. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's great. They did it a few times in the in the many adventures. But like I said, like the entire span of one song took place in a single room. And this one we've already done an entire plot line that was in the original one in just the span of the one song. So mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And this is quite the musical the, movie. The, I wanna stress yeah. too, while we're here, was and you brought that up, that's a good point. This the movie is not very long. It's just over an hour long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if the pacing, I don't really have a huge issue with it, but yeah, it doesn't feel, it doesn't have the same kind of, it doesn't really take its time as much as the mm-hmm. other one does. And you're, they're putting a lot into that hour and like eight minutes or whatever. They are. It's, it's very, it's like they tried to do the many adventures where they're cramming three stories into the one hour that they have, mm-hmm. but they didn't, they didn't plan to only have, the three stories they plan to have one cohesive story so it seems a lot more fast-paced because of that i think and i could yeah. be wrong on that but it just it feels as though they're trying to do they're trying to be reminiscent of the many adventures of winnie the pooh and that's very obvious with what they're doing they've got the songs they've got the traditional animation styles they've um, got the multiple different plot points um spread throughout but it doesn't it doesn't have those meandering shorter stories with chapter breaks like these this this movie doesn't have those chapter breaks that the many adventures does because it wasn't originally one movie right in this case actually there were supposed to be five stories not three right because I, I i think you can tell there is three stories crammed in one of them being the whole oh no the bats and uh, the other being winnie the pooh trying to find honey and then yours missing tail yours missing tail right which bare minimum three stories also uh you're being made into t- the sequel to tigger mm-hmm. <laughs> well there is an episode in um the many adventures of, or in the in the new adventures of winnie the pooh where uh your wants to be popular so he sees that tigger's popular so he tries to be act like tigger right and then yeah. realizes later on he's like um he's it's much it was more lonely being Tigger. I'd rather be myself. Aww. Yeah. yeah. It, it, very sweet. You know, I, I have a feeling with this one, we might just kind of be go around the movie as opposed to going bit by like scene by scene. Mm-hmm. I think that might work a little better for the the flow. We um, tend to do that with the Winnie the Poohs just because of the structure of the sh- them anyways. Yeah. Plus I mean, it's I think we even enough. I think we even did it with the Tigger movie, honestly. I'm we not... we did. We try we kind of tried to do it like scene by scene but i think this works better to just kind of talk about the thing as a whole because it's not like the story with this one is terribly complicated it's it's a perfectly acceptable 
series of Winnie the Pooh style yeah, adventures. It, it starts out as all Winnie the Pooh adventures start out. Pooh is hungry and has no honey. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean. He goes to see his neighbors because he's hungry. Happens to learn that Eeyore is in a predicament. Uh, not a predicament that he might, he seems to care about very much. Yeah. Uh, Owl proceeds to make it worse. Owl is quite the prominent character in this uh, movie where he wasn't as much in the other one. And I'm wondering if it's because Craig Ferguson voices him. Yeah, so Owl is voiced by Craig Ferguson, which is interesting. Um, And I think after a while I got, I like at the very beginning, I'm like, he sounds different, but then I immediately got used to it with, with Owl. It's the same too with Eeyore. Like Eeyore, I was kind of thrown back. He's voiced by Bud Lucky. Mm-hmm. I think later on Brad Garrett voices him and I think Brad Garrett is a better choice mm-hmm. but it, I was very off put by Eeyore as well but then got used to it I feel like that was the case for a lot of the voices like at first when I heard him like oh I did not expect that voice to come out of them and yeah, then I later I on, gave you a heads up for that as well you did <laughs> yeah, you did it's just it's it doesn't stop you from liking it no no it's just it's just different enough Similar with Christopher Robin's eyes. It's different enough that it's jarring at first. Yeah. And it I, it takes you out of it for a second. That's true. Um, I, let's see. I'm trying to think. Because, yeah, Owl does a lot. Owl almost up pulls at one point this the same exact thing that he did in um, Pooh's Great Adventure, Grand Adventure? Yeah. Uh... With the whole thing where they misread something Christopher Robin... Yeah sent them and an owl immediately misconstrues it as like a monster is involved mm-hmm. well they they always seem to go to owl for the being smart characteristic that yeah he has um where he can read and no one else seems to be able to um but he can't read so <laughs> it ends up with a lot of conflict well, um, well i mean he can he just Mistake. Well, so he, he can read as well as Christopher Robin. Yes. I, think is, <laughs> I think is where it is. Um, I, so I'm actually I'm actually simultaneously reviewing the movie, and I've paused when Owl shows up, and he's when he shows up, he's writing his memoirs. That's right. Um, so he flies to he comes across Pooh and, and Eeyore, but there's a the branch he lands on he's talking about chapter one the birth of a genius which is the the chapter of his memoir yeah there's an old this is the background too which is nice to see that them them doing the traditional 2d animation they're adding a lot of the details to the background backgrounds are gorgeous in this in this movie by the way i just as someone who likes to pay attention back i can't believe i mentioned but my goodness i love the background work in this movie so there is an old uh bird's nest and then there's two hatch marks in it, in the bark. And then on the lower hatch mark, it's marked hatched. <laughs> and on the, on the top one, it's mar- marked flying height. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's just a kind of neat detail that I, I have actually watched this, I think, three more times in preparation for this. And I just hadn't noticed that. It's adorable. It's ex- I, I remember it's those background things that are there's some there's some good things in here. I want to there's definitely one I want to talk about a little later, but in due course. Um... Like I said, I'm watching it a little bit simultaneously. I think one of the things that comes off across with Owl in this one, he's always come across a bit pompous. I think he comes off a little more cocky in this one. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, where he's like, I'm right and you're wrong. and <laughs> It's a little more over the top than it has yeah. been in previous films. Uh, um, yeah. Because, again, I think it's because they got Craig Ferguson for this and they're just... Yes. And they're just like, have, let's make it more so. Um, and I'm kind of wondering how much of it is Craig Ferguson going off script as well. That's true, too. Um, because comedy actors tend to just spit take a, a bunch of different things um famously robin williams and aladdin but um they just kind of riff for a while and then that whatever they want to use ends up being used and i don't know if that ended up influencing anything in here but yeah i guess we'll never know but i mean i will bet not true we could always ask but um <laughs> yeah you gotta wonder uh with other voice actors so one the one that i was shocked by um, so Tom Kenny does the voice of rabbit, which that threw me back because I was expecting Tom Kenny tends to have his, uh, SpongeBob tone of voice when he does like, you could say, you could hear and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's Tom Kenny. Yeah. Um, I don't get that with this. No, I, I think Tom Kenny is the one I had the least trouble adapting to. I mean, compared to the people who are, I mean, the people from the people who are new, in this one to these parts. I think Tom Kenny mm-hmm. does a, a very good uh, rabbit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no oh, complaints here, personally. Um, and then, and as we've established before, a rabbit's kind of my spirit animal of all of them. <laughs> but well, I, he, he, his for, role but... is, is largely truncated in this one. Although there's, I love the moment when he's in the pit, Piglet is out of the pit and he's trying to guide him. And that, that, that part was comedy goal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, uh, so between between that and the um, the issue at you thing, issue at you. <laughs> oh, that was good too. There's some. There's yeah, that was like hilarious. like those like there's a lot of those kind of bits it, it's sprinkled a, throughout. And it's a who's on first kind of joke. Yeah, that's not something that I remember from any of the Winnie the Pooh media's that I've seen where they have that kind of back and forth like that. Mm-mm. Now that said. I haven't seen um, the Heffalump movie or Piglet's big movie. So it's possible that there's some of that that gets introduced as part of the characters within those. Um, but the, the there's a lot of those kinds of bits all over the place. Um, I, I think I can excuse this humor for it. Because... I love it. No, I think I... it's great. Yeah, yeah, no, this I, is my, oh, my, yeah, my favorite part yeah. of the movie. Sorry, no, 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 I'm not saying you're disagreeing. No, 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 I'm not. Excuse probably wasn't the is the right word. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm more accepting because I do think it's funny. But I think what also why it works in this series too is it's a misunderstanding. That's the whole humor is based on misunderstanding of words, but it's a little more quicker pace. It's like I can't not and not. Oh, so you can not and not. I cannot. You cannot not not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not, right. Not, who's there? Who? Who? <laughs> like it, again, it's all it's it's because that's the main humor underneath Winnie the Pooh is misunderstanding. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think the closest I can remember is the when Rabbit and Piglet and Pooh are having that meeting about Tigger. Oh yeah. And who said I got something stuck in my some fluff in my ear? Well, what part do you want me to start at? Well, the part that I got it stuck in my ear and I didn't hear. Well, what part is that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hear you. 
Yeah, it's and, it, and it's true. says something very similar when he's talking to Owl. He's like, well, you can't have. Owl says, well, I can't have sneezed without knowing it. Who says, well, you can't know something without having been sneezed. <laughs> and I love, I, there's a, there's actually a, a moment in there I really like where like uh, Eeyore, it's, there's like a, this like weird unspoken camaraderie between Eeyore and Pooh in that moment right. where they're just kind of exchanging looks. Yeah, Eeyore's as like, Owl oh, is like ranting. You, you did sneeze, Owl. <laughs> <laughs> Eeyore is the best. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Yeah. And then, yeah, it turns into the great quest to find Eeyore a new tale, which is, you know, Very much like trying to the great to quest do. to get Eeyore a new house. Uh, and it works. It's a good, it leads to some good, uh, leads to some good comedy beats. And of course, of course, of course, Tigger has to have his own specific introduction. Right. And we're introduced to Balloon as well. Right, so the newest character, Balloon. <laughs> Balloon. B Where did it come apostrophe. from? L-O-N. Where did it go? I don't know. Well, I mean, it was in the opening uh, sequence, so uh, it was always in his room. Yeah. It was there among the stuffed animals. That's true. I like that it just shows up, and then it becomes part of the plot, and then it just goes away, and then it's out of the movie forever. <laughs> I do also like that we that Tigger has the same kind of bit where he sees his reflection and is like, "Oh, a handsome fellow." <laughs> I always like he compliments his chin. But mm-hmm. There's some good callbacks to the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh in this, without making it feel like it was a copycat. Yes, which is part of the reason why I had trouble in the moment figuring out if it was the same movie. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I get that. Um. I think some of the songs, as you mentioned, are, it's, a, it's a very musical number and it does go fast paced. The, I don't think the fast paced songs work with. Who wins the honey pop. That, that one was fine. That right? one's fine. It, Cause it's short. <laughs> but it's, it's, so it's short. It repeats seven times, I think. Yeah. To the point where Kanga's like, stop. Like, <laughs> Please just, no. full, just full mom no no it's fine we'll just <laughs> <laughs> that bit genuinely cracked me up i was like well done kanga yeah. yeah there's some bits there everybody gets a bit and it's really good there's a there's a there's a snarky one-liner that rue gets at one point just this like perfectly timed and perfectly said one-liner somewhere in there as a response to something and i can't remember what it was but it, it i was like oh wow good one rue <laughs> Uh, but everyone gets it everyone gets at least one good bit and that's what's satisfying um the the two songs i think that stood out to me was obviously the backson like that is that is the time when you should have quick pace yeah that's their heffalumps and woozles you know right and it's actually good for me i didn't think that one was all that fast paced no, it, I didn't think it was either. I actually thought that was one of the slower songs. The backs and the backs and we're, we're afraid, afraid of, of the backs and it yeah. has the same cadence as have lumps and whistles. And they do this. They do the thing where they change the animation as well. So yeah, I like the chalk animation a lot. Although the have lumps and whistles um, callback is that honey song where uh, like, oh, who's hallucinating because yeah. he's so hungry. Because mm-hmm. there are some uh, surreal moments. That's another piece that actually works. Because it's it's a bit the song's a bit slower too. Yeah, if we're jump, if we're talking about the songs, um, 
the thing I, I kind of had liked about that sequence is not only is the animation like incredible for what they're trying to get across for this, this dream sequence with it's just all everything's all honey colored, you know, mm-hmm. Pooh falls into an ocean of honey. He goes to islands made of honey. The energy of the song, I could tell that how they carried that kind of energy forward into uh, summer. And oh. um, think about it, it kind of I got little bits of Olaf energy from it slightly. Yes, you know I, mean, I mean, it's there's a lot of. Um like poos in an old uh swimsuit there's honey crabs and honey palm trees and it's very reminiscent of beach beaches in summer he's got a boater on too like i mean Mm -hmm. it's very interesting um it's a good and i like how before that he's other things start just saying honey and he just gets honey honey and then like the text in the book is just the word honey over and over again Mm. again I have no complaints about the comedy angles in this movie. I think they do it very well. Um, my favorite joke isn't until the very, very end, though. Oh, God. You want to tell me that one? Well, I, I, we'll get to it. Because that's it's also my, the most surprising voice actor, in my opinion. Uh, you're talking about the very, very end. The very, very end. You so can bring, I, you I can bring it up. We're jumping around. So at the, oh, very, at the very end, <laughs> Of the movie, we have a post-credit scene where the actual Baxen shows up, yeah. and of course, it's it's goofy. And the Baxen's talking in this like southern drawl. But of course, earlier in the credits, I'd been like, "Wait a minute, it's Huel Hauser," and I'm probably one of the, I, I don't know how many people out there would know who Huel Hauser is, but um, way back when, when I was younger, uh, Huel Hauser used to host a show called California's Gold. It was one of the things he, I think he was most well known for. Kind of a travel documentary. He would go around different parts of California, go to like unusual or, you know, you know, landmark places or roadside attractions or just just places with significance. And he would just try to showcase California. And he was just like he had this kind of energy where he was always like wowed by everything. And, you know, he would just be he would just act really friendly and be like, well, this is just absolutely the most fantastic thing. Can you believe what we're seeing right now? And he has exactly that energy with the Baxen. And it's, I was just like, I don't know why they made the decision to cast Huel Hauser as the Baxen, but he's just playing himself. Well, I think, I think the decision is to counterplay how everybody thinks the Baxen is. Yeah. Because he's I mean, so, he's so, endearingly he comes across all this stuff and he's like oh my gosh this guy must have lost all his stuff yeah and, that, and that's exactly him. and that's exactly uh, the kind of energy like Huel Hauser would make a big deal over the smallest thing like someone would be like well would you look at that pottery over there that is such a beautiful piece of something there you know like he's he, and it's he, just that his enthusiasm think, was kind of infectious yeah and I think it's very well countering to how the Baxen has been set up as this thing who looks at you and spoils your milk and turns clocks and breaks them and uh, scribbles in all your books and is this like evil, horrible steals thing who steals your youth and takes your friends and stomps on your stuff. And then it turns out that it's a, just a very nice guy who's very patient and he ends up falling into the pit and is like, oh, well, I'm sure he'll be back soon. i'll just wait here it'll be fine yeah i just i really like that bit and i and i absolutely got the joke of the counterpoint that he's just a super friendly guy um 
but it's just that that warm that that warmed my heart. It was like, oh my gosh, they they cast Hugh Hauser perfectly for what they were trying to get across, and it was just fun for some. I hadn't thought about that in years, but I always remember, ha, I'm Hugh Hauser, and this is California's gold. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I think our version up here in New Hampshire is a uh, Fritz Weatherby. Fritz Weatherby. Yeah, um, he's not. He doesn't have that boy howdy kind of um thing but he's got he's almost got like a walter cronkite kind of thing and he oh, okay talks about new hampshire he's like that's the way it was and it's <laughs> it's it's just kind of like one of those things where like i'd never heard of fuel hauser and he, when you said it i actually clicked his wikipedia thing and it's like california's gold and i'm like okay that's basically like up in new hampshire fritz weatherby is the host of um it's called new hampshire chronicle and oh, that's fantastic. so he talks about the history of New Hampshire and, and goes around around New Hampshire. So it's kind of that same thing where it's like you're getting it because you're from California, and I don't think very many other people might see that. See, and, I didn't and know that. I mean, I'm similar to you. I didn't really, I didn't know who Huel Hauser was, but then again, I wasn't born in California. I moved here when I was about ten years old. Um, and the closest I can think to this, but I, I think it's more for children than anything, um, was uh, the Ramblin' Rod show. Uh, he would go to different places in the Portland, Oregon area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but mostly he was like a host for a kid's show. That's the only thing I can think of that's close to that. I don't know if there might be someone else and I'm not thinking of it that's in Portland, Oregon, but he was a live cable or, or, or a live act. Oh, what's the term uh it's a public broadcast or uh, uh like a pbs it's not pbs it's just meant for like if only you would only see it if you were in portland the area a local host he local, was a, local yeah. television host yeah he was a local television host so so there are P, there are local pbs type stations um yeah for instance huel hauser is from California PBS and uh, fritz weatherby is new hampshire pbs so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep uh, I think he's PBS. He might be. No, he was. De- yeah. Well, Hugh Hauser was. Hugh Hauser definitely PBS. was. I don't know if Fritz Weatherby is. But. Mm. Well, I, I feel like we've gone off on a tangent here, but I just we wanted have. to acknowledge that. Um, yeah, but uh, what I'm basically what I'm saying is Hugh Hauser is more reminiscent to probably people who have grown up in California, right? Um, and Consider- other people will just enjoy the counter, the counter plot of the fact that the the Baxen's a very nice fellow. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just, I think, you know, for anybody who, who, who grew up in the area, they would be like, who would be, who is like the biggest sweetheart we could put in this role and have him seem kind of like, just like facet, easily entertained by everything. You know what? Let's get Huel Hauser. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah. Um, ah, I don't know. Is so there, what, what I think, else? I think we talked about the pacing here. Um, this movie is an hour and eight minutes. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> So I say an hour and eight minutes. The credits start at, wow, oh my goodness, 53 minutes is when the credits Are start. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. So 53 minutes is when we start an out, the outro uh, credits. So it's when we have the, the closing inside the room credits. Um, then we go to traditional animation credits with more uh, people, like with more like gags of the, people then we have like the the logo closeout 
at one hour, we get the Baxen scene. That's a two minute gag. <laughs> uh, and then it's just the rest of like the international stuff. So this might just be uh, prevalent to the fact that I'm looking at Disney Plus. There might not be all this extra fluff there in the original. I, I don't think there was in the original. But at, fi- at 53.30 is when the movie ends. So um, at the at the 20 minute mark is where we get the Baxen. So by that point, we have gotten who is hungry, needs honey. Eeyore has lost his tail. Uh, Owl, they're going to put out a reward for Eeyore's tail. Balloon has showed up. They've gone through 10 iterations of Eeyore's tail. And now we've got the Baxen. Right. And I don't know, to be honest, once we get to the Maxon bit, it gets kind of focused on that, although we still have the subplot. So it, it gets focused on that, but like they they come up with this plan to catch the Baxon in a pit. And it takes Piglet all of one minute to dig the pit. <laughs> the power of Piglet. Piglet the is pe- stronger than you realize. Yeah, he just like, he just digs the pit and covers it up, like almost immediately. And... Like- and it's so deep that not even the nobody can get out of this pit. But the in animate the narrator's like Piglet dug and dug and dug, and all the dirt's getting thrown onto the words. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And just like they don't explain how Piglet got out of the the hole at all. He just dug this giant pit that nobody can get out of, and he's not in it. <laughs> There's a deleted scene where Gopher shows up and helps him get out of the pit the first time. <laughs> Rabbit, rabbit goes all full army, mm-hmm. and then Tigger tries to turn Eeyore into a Tigger, and then that's which leads to the secondary conflict, which is not super well established. It, it's fine, but I thought the the song was kind of forgettable. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's gonna be great. I feel like a lot of these songs are fairly forgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only um, one, the only one that it stuck in my head, uh, is the Baxen. Right. That's that's the only one that I can actually remember. Um, this song continues to elaborate on the point, though, that uh, wherever Tigger goes, no matter what the the, the movie, he's going to ruin Rabbit's garden at some point. <laughs> and it establishes the the stuff later on when they when Piglet thinks Tigger is the Baxen. So. It's, there's some goofy gentle misunderstanding gags that continue to crop up. It's rising there's stakes in a poo way. <laughs> a lot of very interesting gags that I just, I like I said, I'm jumping around and I just got to some very interesting gags that I had completely forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> so Tigger tries to teach Eeyore how to be a Tigger. Uh, Eeyore escapes into the water. Yes. And is using the, the reed uh, gag. but. In that point in time, Tigger has inadvertently turned himself into something that looks like the Baxen and thinks that everybody is getting picked off one by one. (laughs) Pooh and Piglet find a a hive. So Pooh and Piglet try to get honey for Pooh and they build like this little seesaw and Pooh accidentally shoots Piglet into the hive. (laughs) Piglet drops down and Pooh catches him and then a bunch of bees come up. Oh, there, there's that one like. <laughs> and Pooh says, Pooh says, new plan, Piglet, time to run. 
sets Piglet down, who is still encased in the in the hive, but his feet are sticking out, and then jumps on top of him. Yes. <laughs> and then he runs away. <laughs> I, I think I like the anticlimactic part of that joke too is like it goes up into another tree and then the beast just so and then that's it. That's it. It's over. Chase over. No consequences. No one got stung. It's just over. And Kayla and I were just losing it at that yep. part. Just like that... it, it was so fitting. Yeah, just... it was just like <laughs> and I think we both look at each other and it's like that was that was the best anticlimax. <laughs> yep. Uh, rabbit actually puts it back. That's right. That's right. And then they just Beehives are not part of my plan. Just takes it off Piglet, puts it back in the tree, and the bees just <laughs> like that. Just got stopped immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, we got to chase it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not a oh, rabbit's oh. watch. And then that's when we get the hallucination. Right. Like right. who? And then not, 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 not. I was going to just say, the one thing I'm a little, I get that it's supposed to be a nice message, is that, um, like, later on, Pooh discovers uh, Eeyore's tail became the door, the door knob or door ringer. Oh, the bell pole. The bell pole for for Mm -hmm. Owl's house. And he's like, oh, but don't you want some honey? And I'm like, and he's like, no, I need to deliver this to my friend. I'm like, you have not ate all day. This is not like... (laughs) Pooh, I'm very concerned for you. <laughs> you shouldn't sacrifice your hunger to just drop that, like, for something so low stakes that it's like, he doesn't need it right this second. Feed yourself, man. Well, I mean, yes, he gets rewarded well, with a big pot of honey, but... I mean, if we look at Pooh and his previous adventures, in the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the last time that he ate honey at a friend's house, um... He got stuck for a week and couldn't eat for a week. That's right. Um, and then when the last time he ate it at Owl's house, Owl's house fell over. <laughs> That's right. So I think in the moment he may have made the right choice. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. As <laughs> yeah. history has shown. Yeah, but I don't know if Pooh was thinking about that at the moment, although no. it could have been in his subconscious a little bit. Like something bad has been happening to me every time I try to get honey. Every time I eat honey at my friend's house, something happens. <laughs> so, he, he I did guess go, this he time. did go to Al's house almost like out of desperation, like, oh, please, I just need one little bit, please. I haven't well, I ne- he never ate breakfast. That was the longest day of Pooh's life. It was it got to the point where he was he was hallucinating. It Right. I mean, in all fairness, um Oh, not in all fairness. Owl was just being very mean to Pooh the entire time. Pooh originally won the honeypot, um, which he immediately lost because the clock tail that he used broke when Eeyore sat down. That's true. But Owl took the honey from Pooh, who was about to eat the honey, and then right in front of him took a taste. Yeah, that's... Like, oh, that's good honey. And then took it away from him. It's like, that's not very nice. As we mentioned, Owl's more of a jerk in this movie. (laughs) He kind of is. He's, yeah, Gary mentioned the the little gag where uh, he flies out of the pit to give um, yes. a pep tot to Piglet, and then flies back into the pit. Everybody stares at him, and they go like, and he's like, "What?" Owl, that's a great idea. <laughs> it was such a good speech. It owl. was such a good speech. Another thing that I was also like, "Wait, why didn't this come across?" Because Kanga is knitting down in the yeah. pit, and I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, she has yarn." And she's, why can't she use that to get them out? I don't 
understand. It's as we have established, Pooh is not the only one who has very little brain. Yeah. Among these, I mean, they're uh, all they're all stuffed with fluff. Yeah, the myriad animals of Christopher Robin's menagerie. I mean, everybody fell down into this pit. They yeah. are on a blanket, which is easily as long as the pit. Truth. They also have a chain, which they originally dropped down into the pit. So that will also could be the correct length. Um, Piglet almost tries tries to get into the pit. He's like, oh, everybody else is in there. I should go in there too. Yep. But then again, Piglet probably would have been able to get out on his own because he did before. Yeah, I mean, he already did it. Also, it, it, like, there's so many ways I'm like, that you could, I'm like, Al can fly. Like, even yep. when they're in the pit and I'm like, Al can fly. Al can fly. Why the heck aren't they using Al? He can totally fly. <laughs> <laughs> But I think this gag is probably the, one of my favorites. Mm. He doesn't get to flower. Obviously, that's not going to work. Rabbit yeah, this... asks him to get something longer. <laughs> so he gets a book. I love how supportive Pooh is. He's like, wow, Piglet, that's a lovely flower. Yeah, yeah. this this whole bit. like, I think that we, we kind of we talked about it before, but it definitely encapsulates the, the vibe of the humor with this. Yeah. With, the, with the, the way the conversations flow and the way the characters play off each other and the way all that all, the, the words are misinterpreted and uh changed in very specific ways commentary about english as yeah a yeah in a weird like, way like uh, rabbit told piglet to get something longer so he got him a book that owl read him twice <laughs> he knows how long that book is it's definitely longer than a flower <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what a rabbit was asking for oh yeah so yeah um i don't know if there's a ton more to talk about to be honest um there's really not yeah i mean it's short it doesn't overstay its welcome it's uh it's pretty good i actually you know i walked away from this feeling like i said charmed and you know i laughed i thought it was and i think they did a good job making it feel a lot more timeless than say like the ticker movie which it dated itself immediately in certain places this one uh, while it has some odd moments, I think is a pretty worthy follow-up to uh, The Many Adventures Of. If not as good as The Many Adventures Of. I think The Many Adventures Of is still a much better film. Yeah. But I think it's still a good follow-up. Like, you're not going to be disappointed watching this film. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I agree. And I think my biggest detractor um, is that it's so much cleaner that I'm not enjoying it as much. That's like one of my favorite point. things about the original is the fact that you could see those breakthrough trace lines um, that the, the, it wasn't perfect traces each time it was like, they're going back to traditional 2d animation, but they're not going back to traditional hand drawn, every frame paper and pen animation. So it's, it, it does, it's not a detraction. It's just, it's not as classic. I think. You you can notice the difference. I I get it, right. and I'm with you there. Yeah, I think I think closing closing arguments or <laughs> not arguments, but closing statements. I, statements. I think... it, it's very very well done. Uh, very yes. reminiscent of many adventures. It has a lot of that. It feels like a natural evolution to to where they would would end up. For sure. Um, and I know people. I think. A lot of people talk about how this was going back to traditional animation. Um, 
but it hadn't really been that long since Chris, I think Princess and the Frog came out True. two years before. Yeah. Um, I granted, you know, we had Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, and Tangled, but Princess and the Frog did come out in between those. So mm-hmm. it hadn't really been that long since they'd done it. No, but considering it's been 10 years since that one, and that was the last one, that is where it really feels like the the traditional animation properly stopped. But they kept threatening to get rid of it. I mean, Home on the Range did it. The Princess of the Frog happened, and it didn't do super as good as they would have hoped. So it also didn't... And then Are they, are they really saying 10 years? It's really been 10 years since, uh, since Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh. Pooh. Oh, yes, since Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Um, that's not what I meant. I oh. thought you were. Oh. I thought you were saying ten years prior to Winnie the Pooh. Oh no 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 no! And I was like, I don't think. No. <laughs> no. But yes, it has been quite a while. Um, though I will say, I know that they did do. They it did integrate traditional two D animation with Moana. Which, That's true. With 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 the tattoo. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely talk about that. Right. When we get so, to Moana, I think they're finding new ways to introduce it. Though I am. I was quite sad when they said that they weren't doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that might have been why Winnie the Pooh was so surprising because it was after they had announced that they weren't doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's more where where the surprise came from for everybody. <clears throat> mm-hmm. No, I, yeah, it's, it was a surprise to me too. And again, as someone who appreciated that kind of animation, I'm actually surprised I let Winnie the Pooh pass me by. But mm-hmm. I'm glad I've seen it now. I enjoyed it. I think we've all had a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. Vecchi, thank you so much for joining us once again for our third outing into the 100 Acre Wood. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, is there anything you would like to share with the audience? Anything you'd like to plug? I don't have anything really. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to plug a film that I saw that is tangentially related, though not a Disney movie. Okay. Um, I saw this with my grandmother. It was when it came out, um, 2017. Um, it's an independent British film that is pseudo documentary. It's called Goodbye, Christopher Robin. Oh, I heard about this. I haven't seen it. Though. I may have talked about it in a previous episode. It's it's very well done. It's the story of A.A. Milne um, and his son Christopher. Uh, and they they do a very good job of capturing a lot of the issues that the family went through. Um, for those who may not know, uh, Christopher Robin grew up hating the Winnie the Pooh books and all of the fame that it brought towards him. When his father passed away, the fortune was left to him and he never touched any money of it. So um, it's, it's very well done and uh, is definitely not a happy movie but uh, it does a very good job of highlighting the struggles that the actual real people went through I think some people tend to forget that Christopher Robin was a real child um, and the the stories that he came up that A. A. Milne put out there were in fact um, from the imaginings of this child so it's it's very very well done um, trigger warnings for anybody with parent trauma, but um, it is it is something I would highly recommend. Okay. Goodbye, awesome. Christopher Robin. Awesome. Well, our next film we'll be watching. Um, honestly, I'm kind of grateful that it's 
3D because it actually fits the tone of the film, and that would be Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm a Wreck-It. <laughs> Disney does video games. Remember, and- if you die outside your game, you're dead for good. <laughs> Thanks for the PSA, Sonic. <laughs> That's no good. <laughs> oh, the video game jokes are going to be great. In oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so come join us next month when we discuss that. And uh, we are slowly but surely coming, getting closer and closer to the current day. Uh, will we make it? Who knows? Well, either way, uh, I just saw a balloon with a honeypot attached to it fly overhead. So I'm going to follow it and see where it goes. What do you think? Sounds good. Maybe we'll find the backs and be able to get that friendly fella out of a hole. like wrestling well i'm here to tell you about massive buds wrestling show i'm brendan creasy and you may know me from podcasts such as radio brendo man popsicles and mbws in its former names but we're still here and now we're massive buds wrestling show my friend Keith Gomez and I talk about the latest in WWE, Southern California indie wrestling, and cannabis. Yeah, that's right. I said cannabis. Check us out. Massive Buds Wrestling Show, mbwspod.com, or benviewnetwork.com, and of course on Apple Podcasts and all podcast services. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.